0: Hey! Surprise! It's Haley Ryan again, and on this episode today, you'll hear James's conversation with cohort Miss Monet Jones. Now, Monet suffered an injury which caused her to go without basketball for the longest amount of time ever in her life, and it happened her freshman year. Take note of how she handled that adversity and how it helped make her who she is today. Coming to you right now on the pregame podcast, Don't Go Anywhere.
1: What's going on, everybody? Back at it again with the Winning Edge Game-Changing Retreat Podcast. And this afternoon, we're lucky to have Miss Monet Jones. Monet, say what's up there, everybody.
2: Hello, everyone.
1: (laughs) Monet, glad to have you up here today. How you doing?
2: I'm great. I'm glad to be here.
1: Good, good. Monet, before we dive into everything, if you don't mind just sharing with us a little bit about your background, um, where you're from what you're currently doing, um, and where you plan on going.
2: Yeah, so I'm Monet Jones, if you don't know by now. um, I am a fourth year at the University of Virginia. I am a drama major here uh, at okay. the university, which is pretty different. Um, I'm from Durham, North Carolina, so I grew up around ACC basketball, so I was really blessed with the opportunity to come here to UVA and play in the ACC. Um, I am right. asp- aspiring to be a sports broadcaster, sports analyst. So um, the winning edge was an opportunity that I jumped right on when I saw um, it posted all over social media. And a lot of people here at UVA were talking about it as well. And I thought it would be a great opportunity for me to dive into it and, and learn from a lot of people who are in the field that I want to be in. So that's why I took the opportunity.
1: Now, Mané, I see here you where you're a women's basketball on the basketball team there at UVA. Yeah. How did you get your start with basketball growing up? Was it who who introduced you to the sport, or how did you gain interest in the sport?
2: Well, my dad introduced me to the sport. Now, I'm gonna be really honest. I was mm-hmm. not the athlete of the family growing up. It was my really? brother. Well, how,
1: how big is your family, if you don't mind me asking?
2: Um, it's my, it's just my mom, my dad, and I have an older brother, Jordan. He's like, okay. he's 23 and then I'm the youngest one. Um, okay. so I wasn't, I was not like the athlete in the family. My parents played sports. My mom played volleyball. My dad played basketball and my brother okay. played basketball as well. And I was the okay. girl who wanted to do cheerleading ballet. Like I was not with the sports, but, uh um, right. I decided to pick up basketball, right when I was like six years old, six or seven, my dad was like, you know what, let's just try it and see if it sticks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at first, I was just like, you, I, I, it wasn't it. I was not with it. But I don't know, it was something about it that I just wanted to keep going. And I wanted to see how good I could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, at a young age, I was just like driven like that. And I saw my dad play a lot. And He was just talking about the game. He was so excited about it. So I was like, hey, like, what if this could be something I could do? um, I could be excited about the game of basketball as well. So I started when I was six years old and ever since then, couldn't put a ball down.
1: Couldn't put the ball down. And so when did you really hit your stride? You know, when you really start developing to the player you are to the point where you actually – received a division one basketball scholarship to play in easily one of the best conferences for basketball, the ACC.
2: Exactly. Um, I would say that I was in middle school. I want to say I was 12, 13 years old when Mm -hmm. I finally realized like, Hey, this is something I could actually do. And I could actually get a scholarship and play basketball. My parents don't have to pay for me to go to school. It was something right. that I was like, okay. I want to strive and I want to I want to be able to play in college. And I was offered my first um, scholarship in the eighth grade from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And mm-hmm. once I got that first offer, I was like, okay, how many more can I get? Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. I was, it was just like a I wanted to see how good I could be, how how many more scholarships I could get from. Just playing the game that I loved.
1: Absolutely, I know I know that feeling because I played um, Division mm-hmm. One basketball too at a historically black college and university, um, mm-hmm. North Carolina A&T. And I remember yeah. the whole recruiting ACC circuit when I first when I got that first letter, offer letter in the mail. How exciting mm-hmm. it was, and how inspired I was to just get back in the gym and keep working. So I know it exactly how you feel. So here you are. Um, you weren't originally interested in basketball, but you developed into a great player and you earned yourself a division one scholarship to UVA. How how was how's your experience been at UVA heading into your senior year? Well, in your senior year right now, how has the experience been and what made you choose the University of Virginia?
2: UVA gave me the best of both worlds. It was mm-hmm. it's a great, a really good academic school. One of the best in, one of the top in the nation as far mm-hmm. as academics. And then I also um, on the basketball side, like I said before, I'm competing in a conference that's really tough and, and it's a good game every single night. And Absolutely. that's exactly what I wanted. I wanted the best of both worlds because sooner or later, basketball is going to stop and the balls going to stop bouncing. And I didn't want, I wanted to go to a school where I would develop uh, in my academics and mm-hmm. what I want to do, what I want to accomplish in my life going forward. And I just didn't want to solely f- focus on basketball. So that's why I chose to come to UVA.
1: How was the transition from high school to UVA as far as becoming acclimated to the campus, um, keeping up with your studies, as well as keeping up with your athletics?
2: Right. It 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 took me a minute to um, be able to realize the importance of time management. Mm-hmm. Because when I was in high school, you know, like, it wasn't this difficult.
0: You know, I only had
2: two or three classes a day. It wasn't, like, so much work that I had to do. And then basketball, you you played basketball during the season. But after that, you were playing AAU or you were just training. It wasn't, like, a year-long thing. But when you, when you come to, on the college level, you know, basketball is a year-round. Summer, mm, fall, absolutely. spring and your class loads are are heavier there's a lot more responsibilities that you have to do when you're you're in college and you're playing basketball you got obligations you have to meet and so time management was one of the things that I learned very quickly that I had to figure out
1: (laughs) right yeah absolutely time management is essential when you're a student athlete now Monet, as you stated It took you a while to become acclimated to the campus and adjust to the um, rigor of being an athlete, student athlete and a great student um, there at the ACC level. But you also had a setback there during your career. There were some injuries that you had to overcome and some adversity you had to face. If you don't mind just telling us a little bit about how that experience was and what it did for you in terms of preparing you for your future.
2: Yeah, so going into my first year, I was healthy. I was ready to go. I was excited about the opportunities that were in front of me. And I really wanted to accomplish certain things on the basketball floor and off the floor. Mm -hmm. But I was hit with a lot of obstacles. Like you said, a lot of injuries. At the end of my first year, I had um, knee surgery on my left knee, which Mm -hmm. I did not recover. I was out for a good six to eight months before I was able to touch a basketball again. Wow. And at at that time, I never, I don't remember a time where I was without basketball for that long. Mm-hmm. So it was, it kind of shocked me that I'm like, hey, like, you're not playing basketball right now. What else can you do? Mm-hmm. Like, what else, what do you want to do? Because this is, it gave me a, a, like a real life example of basketball is going to stop bouncing. Mm -hmm. How, what do you want to do in your life? Like, basketball is just not it for you. There's other things that you can accomplish off the floor. I mean, you just, I just needed to start to think, think about those things. And I'm grateful for that injury because it allowed me a lot of time to, Really think about what I wanted to do what I want to ac- accomplish off the floor right so I come back at the end of my second year during ACC play I come back and play and then the start of my third year I get hit again with a stress mm-hmm. fracture in my foot and I'm out for another I want to say I was out for eight to twelve weeks mm-hmm. so I was hit again with another obstacle another injury that I had to come over um but thankfully that I did not take me that so much uh, time to figure out like how I was going to overcome it because I've been through a situation like that before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, it just forced me to think about my future. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm so grateful, even though nobody wants injuries. And I don't wish that on anybody, but it allowed me to think about my future and what I, what I wanted to do next. So I am grateful for, for that time
1: how long did it take you cuz i know that has to be a frustrating situation but what really helped you cope with that frustration and just kept you positive and um really drove you to no matter what stay committed to what you came there for and not just completely cuz and it, some people in times and situations like that the frustration they they sometimes they just they give up and not only on their athletics but academically you may see a decline in their progress also so what really kept you mentally stable throughout that time period
2: right in the beginning of my first injury uh i was i was going through a dark period because i didn't know mm. how things were going to turn out mm-hmm. so in the beginning, I, I was, my academics were, were slacking off mm-hmm. and I didn't know what was happening with me athletically because I wasn't on the floor and I right. felt like I wasn't myself for a while. Mm. But then I realized that it's always a purpose and always a reason why you go through certain things. Absolutely. And once I've figured that out and I realized that, hey, like you're going through this right now, But if you keep pushing, there is a light at the end of this tunnel Mm -hmm. and you're going to make it through and you have people behind you that will support you. Your family's Mm going to support you. Your coaching staff, your teammates, they are all here behind you. So when you fall, they're there to pick you up. Mm -hmm. And once I realized that, that that allowed me to stay focused and just keep my eye on the prize. And that was to get back healthy. Um, and just to be myself again.
1: Was there ever a time period, though, when you thought to yourself, hey, I'm going through this, this is a tough situation, but at the same time, what I'm doing here at university, at the University of Virginia and in my community is it's just not about me. You know, I have some people back in my community, some young women looking up to me that are expecting me to be successful. Did that ever cross your mind, that the life you're living um, the things you're doing that it's, it's just not about you, but you have a bigger obligation to be an inspiration unto others.
2: Definitely. And I'll give you a, a perfect example. So during the time I was out, um there's a lot of times where we have to do autographs for our fans mm-hmm. and the, our, the young people that come to our game. So I was out. Um, and I was just sitting there signing autographs. And of course, everybody was like, oh, you played great today. I was like, guys, I did not play, but it's okay. <laughs> right. I um, mean, this one, this one young lady, she was, I want to say she was eight or nine years old, came up to me and was like, you are my favorite player. I really aspire. I want to be like you one day. Mm. And I literally broke down in tears mm-hmm. because you never know who's watching you. Never. Never know who's watching you. And so for her to tell me that, and at that time I was I was going through the dark, dark moments and mm-hmm. I really didn't know what I was doing. And I was questioning why I came to UVA, why am I playing basketball? And she, when she said that, I was like, this is why I do what I do. Mm-hmm. And it's not for me, it's for the young ladies and even the, the young guys, the little boys that are watching us mm-hmm. and they want to be in the position the positions that we are in right now today. Right. That's why I do what I do.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's powerful. That's a powerful statement coming from you. And I couldn't, couldn't agree more that you never know who's watching and whose life you can change just by the simple fact of how you carry yourself. So that's that's a very impactful statement. And as you stated, um, during that time period, you had some time to reflect on what it is, what's your purpose, what's your why, what it is that you wanted to do. And I'm assuming during that time period, you became interested in broadcasting, right? What um, yes, I did. what ignited your interest in in broadcasting?
2: Well, I always knew I wanted to be around a sport, okay, or sports in general, because I grew up around sports and. Um, I'm not a sports medicine girl because my stomach can't take some of that stuff, <laughs> and uh, um, sports administration is something that I would be interested in, but it wasn't something that really like tugged on me but sports broadcasting and talking about the game or talking about anything sports related, it really gets me excited and and I thought sports broadcasting was the perfect thing for me to do right um and my Admirers, I I admire Maria Taylor Mm. and Skip Bayless and um Shannon Sharp and all those people like I watch them and I study them and it's amazing to me that I get this opportunity to actually work with Maria Taylor Mm. at um the Winning Edge retreat so I'm excited
1: absolutely and Monet just the hit on Maria Taylor what does it mean to you um to be able to look on t v and see a strong african american woman um such as maria Taylor doing her thing every weekend on e s p n um with the big dolls as as they would say how how impactful and inspiring is that to you to see a young lady that you can relate to as in terms of culture and ethnicity on t v um handling her business like that
2: There were times where we weren't represented in the sports broadcast and sports analyst analyzing world. Mm-hmm. There were times where I look on television and I didn't see myself. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a, an area area that I couldn't get to. Right. But now that I see people like Maria Taylor on television with the big dogs <laughs> and I literally see her everywhere. Right. She's everywhere. Right. And I'm like, wow. Like, She's doing it, right I can do it
1: absolutely,
2: and it's it's very important to have that representation to to see that like i can I can achieve so achieve those things because there's someone in that position right now mm-hmm. doing the same thing i want to do
1: and speaking of representation, I would be remiss if I didn't mention your athletic director because oh, yeah. there was a time in which there were no there hadn't there hadn't been an African American woman to be the athletic director of what you call a power 5 institution. And I think right. in the the climate we're living in today socially, the racism, discrimination that's going on, um what what does it mean to have Dr. Carla Williams there at UVA in the time period in which she came in? Um, during the whole Charlottesville riot that was going on there at UVA. How impactful was that moment for you?
2: Wow. It was, it was a sign of relief mm-hmm. for us, especially for the women's basketball, because she's, she's been around us a lot right? and she's such a powerful, powerful person. Mm-hmm. She is. She's, she, she's just like a breath of fresh air for this university Mm -hmm. and for all of us to see. And I'm super excited. I'm super blessed that I was able to come in contact with her because um, she also talked to me about this retreat as well, because she was there last year, I believe. Yeah, she was. So she, she just brings a lot of things to the table that we haven't seen before. Mm -hmm. I mean, so she's just a breath of fresh air and I'm, I'm really excited to see how she takes uva athletics to the next level
1: absolutely i think she's taking it in a a great direction i was a part of the first cohort of the winning edge game training retreat and during the dinner of influence that we had she was at my table and i had the opportunity to sit down and engage an intentional conversation that was real personable and get to learn about her experience and one thing that she told me that she was dedicated to was truly developing student athletes holistically, just not on the court, what they're doing on the court, but how, how well-rounded are these athletes and what can I do to help prepare them for the real world? And, um, it was also because of her, that she inspired me to pursue, go on and pursue my PhD, um, which I'll be pursuing this fall. So you, you truly have a blessing there at the University of Virginia and Dr. Carla Williams.
2: Yeah, yeah she's amazing- she
1: is she is, and I see here also um along with wanting to be a sports broadcaster you're also you're into acting how How did you find your niche or how did you become interested in that
2: right so growing up i I had a personality, and I still do now, <laughs> and my mom and my dad will always be like girl, you ne- we need to get you in some acting <laughs> classes. you need to be on somebody's stage. Right. just makes no sense. And I was like, this is just how I am. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever. Right. I just blew it off. But now, as I got older and I was just, you know, when you're a first or second year in college, you're trying to figure out, OK, what major do I want to want to pursue Absolutely. and how is this going to work? And so I was just looking at different majors and I came across the drama, the theater major, or we call it drama here. And I was just looking at the classes and I was just like, wow, this would be interesting it'll be something different something Mm -hmm. new get me out of my comfort zone and so I decided to to pursue um drama the drama major Mm -hmm. and I took like acting classes I took acting one acting two and I just fell in love with it wow
1: wow that's
2: I just really fell in love with
1: it that's 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 awesome and so do you plan on uh sticking with it doing anything on the side or um pursuing it professionally or anything like that once you're finished
2: I'm not sure if I want to pursue it professionally or um do it on the side mm-hmm. or anything like that I um I really just enjoyed being in that atmosphere right. and I did a lot of behind the scenes work and on camera work off camera work during my time in the drama major I mean, it was just really cool experience, and it was just something different for me to experience as well. So I just decided to do that major, not knowing if I was going to pursue it professionally, but just to get out of my comfort zone for these four
1: years. Right, right. Now, Monet, before we wrap things up here, I just want to highlight a a quote that you mentioned in your bio. You said, sports helped me find my voice and impact the lives of others. How Important is it to you to make sure that no matter where you go what you're doing, whether that's you become a sports broadcaster an actor, that you still remain true to that value that at the end of the day life is truly about what you're doing to help impact the lives of others
2: you know there was a lot of people growing up that impacted my mm-hmm. life and shaped me into the person who I am today, mm-hmm. and I absolutely thank them for helping me along the way. And I just wanted to give back and do the same thing for somebody else to help shape other people's lives, to help impact other people's lives. Right. And that's why I got into basketball. And that's why I picked the school that I picked. And that's why I love talking to young people, mm-hmm. not not only girls, but young men as mm-hmm. well, um just to impact, just to pay it forward, impact somebody's mm-hmm. life. Cause you never know, like I said, you never know who's watching. You never know who's listening to right. you and, and looking at how you carry yourself every right. day. And I was, I was that kid. I was watching my mom. I was watching my yeah. dad. I was watching people on TV, certain people on TV and I'm just like, wow, this is how they carry them, themselves and it's brought them this right. far. And so I just wanted to, to reach out and help other people realize that, Hey, like, the way you do things can set you up for Absolutely. life. Absolutely. And that's how I that learned.
1: statement really, really hit me because I'm currently teaching um fifth grade right now back home in my hometown. And I remember I, I got in the classroom and there was a young man and who was he's, he's he's behind academically. Um and teachers had sort of put him off and brushed him aside and told before I got in there I told him that you know he was stupid and all type of things like that. And so I remember I pulled him aside one day and I told him, I said, hey, man, you can make it. You know, you may you may be behind, but through working, through believing in yourselves, you can transform your situation. And I remember it was one day right before this missile, he was on the computer and he said, Mr. Whitaker, when I get to college, will you come see me play? And it was it was so impactful to hear him say that because just 2 weeks ago he was calling himself stupid and now just because someone poured into him he's believing in himself and aspiring to go to college now so i i say all that to say you know you never know who life who life that you can touch so that that was a truly right. um impactful statement that you made but before we wrap things up here you you've been invited to the 2019 Winnie Gage game changing retreat and before I go, I just gotta know what will you be bringing to the table.
2: I'll be bringing a lot of energy, a lot of <laughs> a lot of <laughs> questions, <laughs> but um, I just wanna come in and 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 grow and meet new people and network and just be able to um listen to and learn from a lot of people who are in positions where I want to mm-hmm. be in now, so I'm coming in open minded with my arms stretched out, ready to ready to just grow. Hey,
1: it doesn't get any better than that. That's all we can ask for. That's all we can ask for. But Monet, it's truly been an honor having you up here this afternoon. Um I look forward to seeing you this June down in Atlanta for the 2019 Winning Edge Game Changing Retreat. It's truly a profound retreat that you'll learn a lot from, gain new friends within the industry, and it's truly impactful
2: can't wait I'm super excited can't
1: wait to meet you there is anything else you wanted to say
2: no I think I'm done
1: well that sounds good I'll (laughs) see you in June right, right, take care
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pregame Podcast. If you want more hashtag game-changing info, then head over to our website winningedgeleadership.org. You can also find out more about how hashtag we game change on our Instagram and Twitter handles at the We Leadership, or find us on Facebook and LinkedIn. All right, guys, I'm out, but stay tuned for the next episode.